Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Central Hope. Can you turn it down just a touch? Oh, Gabriel, will you turn it down just a touch for me? Hello. Thank you. Uh, there you go. We're both on. We're both on. Never mind. You can turn it back up. He was on, too. So, Hey, welcome to Central Hope on this Marathon Sunday. It's always a trick just to try to get to church on these days, but we're glad that you found your way here eventually um, to consider together who our God is, what He's done. He is a good and great and gracious God, and we have the privilege this morning to consider these realities and to worship Him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you haven't got a bulletin, make sure that you have one. That'll be really helpful to um, worship. I, I should also say that the children are dismissed now for Central Kids Bash. If they'd like, they're still welcome to stay up here, but Central Kids Bash is ongoing right now. So, um, and just another word, I know that the, the kids that don't go to Central Kids Bash, they always get jealous. They're like, I want a balloon. So if you stay up here, kids, and you're, you're, you want to stay up here, you can get a balloon afterwards. But um, you can go downstairs, too, to celebrate, uh, worship with the kids downstairs on this special Central Kids Bash Sunday. With that being said, I want to invite you to stand as we come into the presence of our God and hear from him as he welcomes us and calls us into his presence. This morning's call to worship comes from Psalm chapter 95, verses 1 through 3. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is your health and salvation. Come all who hear, now to His temple draw near. Join me in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord above all things so wondrously reigning, sheltering you under his wings and so gently sustaining. Have you not seen all that is needful has been sent by his gracious ordaining? Praise to the Lord who will prosper your work and defend you. Surely his goodness and mercy shall daily attend you. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. If with his love he befriends you. Praise to the Lord, oh, let all that is in me adore him. All that has life and breath come now with praises before him. Let the amen sound from his people again. Gladly forever adore him. 
may be seated. When we consider the greatness of our Lord as we just sang, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we're quick to realize that we ourselves are not great, that our day-to-day lives do not produce greatness 
at all. And so we come to the Lord now confessing both corporately and then privately in our own hearts the ways in which we have failed to live up to the greatness of our God. So in your bulletin, there is a prayer of confession. Please confess alongside me, and then we will have a moment of quiet reflection of confession in our own hearts. So read this along with me. We have longed for the dust of the earth and have been full of care about what we will eat, what we will drink, and how will we be clothed. Instead of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we have focused our whole life on things central to those who don't trust you. We have stretched out the desire of our spirits towards empty vanities and have focused our eyes on things that are not even real. We have set our affection things that are seen, which only only for a little while, but the things that will be continue throughout eternity we have disbelieved, postponed, or forgotten. Oh God, be merciful to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Continue now in quiet reflection in your own heart. If you have confessed your sin and trusted in Christ alone, hear now your assurance of pardon. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We will now continue in our worship by the giving of our tithes and offerings, both here and online. Feel free to stand with us. And 
his son, not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages, in hiding places. He murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. 
O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Pray with me. Oh God, how great indeed you are. The truth is there is none like you. And yet so often we look to things of this world, things that have been created, and say to it how great they are. But these things are nothing. These things are nothing compared to you. For you have created all things, and you sustain all things. And for you, this is... This is enough evidence for us to worship you. You indeed are great. But you have showed us your greatness specifically and especially in Jesus Christ. The one who bared our burden and endured the affliction upon himself. Despising the shame of the cross. Taking it upon himself. That we, your people, would not have to endure it. Oh, it is in Jesus that we see just how great indeed you are. And for this, we praise you and give you thanks. Lord, there are many things that we can give thanks to you for in this life, in this world. I think of the honorackers who welcomed their newest baby girl, Elizabeth, into their home. We thank you for bringing both Mallory and the baby safely uh, through this ordeal. We praise you for, for keeping them. We ask, Lord, that in these days that you would continue to sustain them and keep them. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you've provided for us. It is A reminder today when there's no kids in this room just how much of a joy it is to have kids around. And we we are reminded even last week of how many kids we have. We give thanks to you for these things. A reminder that there's life and vitality. There's so much to be thankful for. Lord, we, we do also come asking in the name of Jesus that you would continue to be a light into the midst of darkness. Continue to be with the Ukrainian people who are experiencing great oppression. Continue to be with the Russians as they are being experiencing a lot going on right there. Lord, be with both the presidents of those countries, be with those uh, militaries, bring them to their knees that they might look to you for salvation. Lord, may we continue as we study what it means to um, deal with wealth, and specifically this this morning as we look at our work, I pray, Lord, that you would grant us humility to receive from your word that which is true. Reveal to us where we have gone astray, where we've been foolish, but ultimately remind us who we are in Christ. Be with the kids downstairs now as they study your word and enjoy one another and as they get to be with Rory. What a beautiful gift that is. Um, So we pray for them and us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's good to be with you guys and always it's good to be with one another. I want to encourage you now to stand and greet one another in the name of Christ and enjoy one another uh, for a a, a brief time. We're not going to dismiss the kids, so enjoy one another. I will call us back together in just a short moment.
If I could uh, have you return to your seats. We continue in our study of the book of Proverbs. And this week we're going to be looking primarily at work. The reason we're going to be looking at work is because as I looked at the book of Proverbs, I noticed that Solomon is constantly bringing up wealth, wealth, wealth. He's talking about it a lot. And one of the aspects of wealth is how we accumulate wealth. And so in some ways you can be tempted to think, oh, here's a way that I can make a lot of money. That's what this sermon is about. This sermon is not about making lots of money. This sermon is about uh, looking at work, which is the very means that God has provided us to obtain our wealth. So we're going to be looking at wisdom for work. Now, one of the challenges with the book of Proverbs is, is trying to read it. And so if you have a Bible, I'm glad you have your Bible. You can try your best to flip through the different passages. But it's probably best to just have your bulletin because Proverbs works that way. It's just kind of pop- popcorn um, wisdom throughout the different sections of the book of Proverbs, and indeed there are sections, but we'll, we'll just be looking at several of them as it pertains to work. So if you have your bulletin, you can turn, look at that now. I'll be reading the various Proverbs chosen uh, in regards to work. So first, Proverbs 6, 10, and 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. Proverbs thirteen eleven. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 10, 4 and 5. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Proverbs twelve eleven. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Proverbs 14, 23. And all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Lastly, Proverbs 20, 13. Love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. If you ever have read the Bible, that you've come to understand that Solomon, who's the author of the book of Proverbs, is indeed a deep thinker. It is indeed said in the Old Testament that he was the wisest of all men who had ever lived. People would come from all over the world just to sit at his feet and learn from him, whether it be biology, wisdom, leadership, whatever it might be, people would come to him. And here we have what seems to be, is it another profound statement of Solomon? (laughs) Especially as it tends to work? I actually don't think so. In fact, I think what we have here, especially in Proverbs 6, is not necessarily the wisest man, but an ordinary dad. (laughs) A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber. Want like an armed man. I mean, can't you envision it? You might have said it as a dad if you're a dad, or you've heard it from your dad. Get up, get off your lazy fanny, and do something. If you ain't going to do something, you're going to be poor. It's common sense. Solomon isn't profound here. He's common. If you don't work, you don't get paid. If you don't get paid, you won't provide. Your life, as a result, will likely be miserable. It's quite obvious to us that work is necessary to to accumulate wealth. But here's the thing. Solomon is not profound in this reality. That's just common sense. Where he is profound 
is how we view work as a whole. In fact, he, he offers for us a tremendous amount of wisdom for our understanding of work. And boy, do we need wisdom for work today. Chances are very high that some of you in here are currently looking for jobs. The current one that you have is not satisfying to you. You feel unused, insignificant, and there's a part of you that says, I want more. How do you deal with that? Wouldn't wisdom be helpful for you as you wrestle with the uncertainty of the career that you are in? There are mothers in here who don't know how to make sense of being a stay-at-home mom. And the world we live in tends to look down on stay-at-home moms. Wouldn't it be wise and helpful to consider wisdom as it pertains to being a stay-at-home mom? There are some of you who think that the only job that's possible that brings meaning and value is some sort of ministry career. Like, if I'm not a pastor, then God can't use me. But the reality is, even for pastors, pastors look to, to get out as well. I read recently that somewhere in the neighborhood of 50% of pastors that are my age are looking to get out of the ministry. Pastoral ministry or, or you know, ministry in general it doesn't necessarily provide the, 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 the hope that you're looking for. Wouldn't it be wise to think about how God could use you in this world and in your job? Look, we need wisdom. We need wisdom for our workplace. We need wisdom for understanding how we do the things God has called us to do. Wisdom is such an important aspect of our life, especially as it pertains to work. And this morning, we're going to look at three components of the wisdom that Solomon has given to us. But before we look at that, I want to just give a little blurb or a helpful book to you as you, as you consider work even more if, if you want to. There's a book called Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. It's perhaps the most accessible book in regards to understanding work as a whole. I highly commend that to you. It is far more thorough, far more detailed in regards to our understanding of our relationship with work. But for the time being, what we have in roughly 20 to 25 minutes, and you're like, 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah, right. 25, 30 minutes, okay? In roughly 25 to 30 minutes is the wisdom that Solomon has for us in regards to to work. And this morning we're going to look at three key aspects of wise work. What is wise work? First, we're going to see that wise work is work that is virtuous. So when Solomon looks at us, he's telling us to work virtuously. Okay? So first, work virtuously. Let's consider Proverbs 13:11. It says this, "Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it." What Solomon is telling us in this phrase is to be uh, weary of quick, get rich quick schemes. Say that three times, get, get rich quick. That's a tough word to say. He's telling us, stay away from quick money. Schemes that often are oftentimes illegal. This is what Bruce Walkie says, a commentator in the book of Proverbs. The Hebrew word for gained hastily means to puff up or air vapor. And this is a metaphor of getting money from a vapor that is out of nothing. And this suggests that we get easy money obtained illegally. Such money gained illegally, he says, dwindles. Instead of these airy methods, Solomon tells us to go after the time-tested method of patience, diligence, prudence, generosity, and faith. Work virtuously. 
pursue that which we can do with our own two hands. That doesn't mean that we can't incorporate more people into the work that we do and produce more of what we dream about, but it is important that we do so without propping something up to make more money. Do you know who Elizabeth Holmes is? Elizabeth Holmes was 20 years old, and at that point, she had secured over $6 billion. Let me say that. $6 billion as a 20-year-old to fund her company, Theranos. By 31, Elizabeth uh, was claimed to be the youngest and wealthiest female by Forbes magazine at an estimated net worth of $4.5 billion. Holmes had dreamed and pitched an idea that the blood from a small prick of a finger would be able to give scientists and doctors enough information to work with to discover diseases and illnesses that you and I might have. She was driven because she was afraid of needles. It's a, it's a profound um, compelling technology that she was doing. And people lined up to give her money and money and money. But you know what we've come to find out? It was all made up. The technology she had been touting, well, it couldn't live up to her lofty dream. She essentially just made the technology up and wasted millions, if not oh, billions of dollars. And in 2018, she was arrested for committing fraud. And then this past January, convicted of those charges, where she's now facing up to 20 years in prison. But here's the kicker. Her net worth right now, you want to know what it is? It's zero. Wealth gained hastily. Wealth gained by quick fix schemes will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Solomon says, if we want to work wisely, we must work virtuously. We must be cautious to chase things that are better than they could imagine, because things change. Life changes. I see a very dangerous pattern that takes place in our society and in our workplace and in our culture, and it's, it's cancel culture. I'm just going to tell you, I see a, a very dangerous um, thing that takes place. Most organizations, when they do cancel culture things, they're doing it not because they're standing behind the virtue of it. They're doing it so they don't lose money. This is not wise dealings because things change just like that. We must work virtuously. We must do what we have been convicted by and hold to. If something is wrong, sure, make proper steps to do it. But don't do it just because the wind of the day tells you to do it. No, work virtuously, uh, using your hands day by day. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So we see from Solomon that the wise work virtuously, but he offers us a second aspect of wise works, and that is the wise work diligently. Solomon calls us to work diligently. Consider Proverbs 10, 4 and 5. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. What Solomon tells us is that the wise work diligently. They work and they work and they work. They don't stop to sleep. This is a wise way of working. But what does it mean to work diligently? Let's consider Proverbs 12 and 11. I think we get a sense of, of, of what it means more to work diligently. Proverbs 12, 11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. 
but he who follows worthless pursuits lack sense. So here's what the diligent do. The diligent focus. They focus on their job rather than worthless pursuits. They have their head down, plowing their field, reaping their fruit, working their job, doing what they have been called to do rather than focusing on someone else's job. Those who have focus, Solomon says, will be wise. And those that have focus and who are wise will have plenty of food. In an age of mass media, whether it be social media, television, radio, this is incredibly difficult. Now, I don't have the science to back it up, but I think our brains are being rewired by the devices that we hold in our hands. It makes it incredibly difficult for us to focus on whatever we have been called to do. Our phones beckon us to worlds far away. Instagram calls us to see our friends sipping champagne in exotic places. Various websites beckon us to their shopping malls where we can buy the latest trends. Athletic sites beckon us to buy or to, to beckon us to sports arena and locker room where we can hear the latest gossip of our favorite teams. Our phones easily distract us. It makes us prone to distraction to pursue worthless pursuits rather than being diligent and focused. We, we easily become distracted from the very work that we've been called to, the very work that provides us the resources that we need. When we lack focus, we're not diligent, and we won't produce the fruit that our hands can produce. I think most of us, most of us, I can't say everyone, I'm not going to make a blanket statement, but most of us need to take a long look at how we utilize our phones. And this includes myself. Two weeks ago, like many, I was glued to my phone when the Russian army made their way into Ukraine. My main method of, of, of utilizing the news was through Twitter. And what I found was this. It became incredibly difficult for me to focus on my work when I was on Twitter. I mean, I was wrapped up in every news story that came out of Ukraine. I was not being diligent in my work. Why? Because my phone was beckoning me to a world that I couldn't control. And I was anxious about it. I was worried about it. it, Not to say that it's not. But the phone was taking me away from the work that God had called me to do right then and there. And in a moment of sanity, I said, enough of Twitter. I deleted it. Perhaps... Perhaps you need to delete certain social media apps from your phone. Perhaps you need to take a long look at the way in which you use your phone because your phone is perhaps the number one distraction right now for you as it pertains to the work that God has called you to be. Solomon says the diligent or the the wise work diligently. And to work diligently means to focus, to not pursue worthless pursuits. But the diligent, he says, don't just focus. They actually act. Consider Proverbs 14, 23. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. You've heard the phrase, talk is cheap, right? Talk is cheap. We can talk a big game about how we're going to do this, that, how we're going to change the way we interact, with our phones, but then if we don't act on it, it becomes worthless. There is no profit for mere talk. It will only end up in poverty. 
So let's talk about our phones again. Perhaps you are uh, reminded by, by Apple or, or, or if you have a Samsung or of your weekly uh, time that you've been on your phone. Perhaps this is a message for you to change the way you deal with your phone. Stop talking. Start doing it. And this, my friends, is hard for me. This weekend, Kimberly found a thing on, our on a phone where you can turn off everything but your phone and your messages after eight, or whenever you can set the time. I think it's probably a good thing for us to leave here and talk to a friend or talk to our spouse about how we do and work with our phone, but then to act on it and say, hey, I'm setting this up. Because the diligent don't just talk about it, they act on it. So how are you going to act on your phone? How are you going to start to deal with your phone in a different way so that you can be about your work? I got that. I've, it's fallen before. So those who are diligent act. They don't just talk on things. They act. Put together a plan for how you're going to spend less time on your phone. Communicate that to your friend or your spouse so that you can be, they can be a part of your diligence plans. And friends, spouses, hold them to that plan. And this isn't, shouldn't, shouldn't be a moment where we f should feel embarrassed. This is probably true of all of us. We all struggle with this. But we need to hold each other accountable that we might be wise in our work. Because when we are diligent, when we are focused and acting, well, there's much fruit from such action. According to Solomon, that fruit is great. So the wise work virtuously, and they work diligently. But there's one final aspect to look at this morning in regards to wise work. And that is the wise work mindfully. The wise work mindfully. Friends, work mindfully. Solomon says in Proverbs 20, 13, Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will have plenty of bread. If you can't hear it already, let me tell you to you right now. Sleep tends to be a common antithesis to the hard work that Proverbs props up. Here, sleep is often seen as a way to avoid difficulty and danger, like an ostrich sticking its head in the dirt upon an approaching lion. The foolishness of such reality is that when we do this, when we stick our heads thinking that sleep is going to somehow magically take away all of our problems and difficulties, that it will, in fact, take it away. But it only expounds on our problems. We need to open our eyes to be mindful of what faces us. Again, Bruce Walkie writes of this proverb, to open your eyes means to stop being unaware of dangers and opportunities and become awake and vigilant to such things. To be mindful in our work by opening our eyes and face the dangers and the opportunities that are in front of us. This is wise work. But we have to do two things with our eyes when we open them. We've got to look deeper and we've got to look higher. Deeper and higher. If we follow Solomon's wise wisdom, we've got to look deeper and higher. What do I mean by deeper? We've got to look deep inside ourselves to find answers as to why we avoid danger and opportunities when they are presented to us. Here's what I mean. Some of us will use work to give us a boost. We'll work hard. We'll stay at it, and we might even stay late. At work, we find that we feel good about ourselves. Things get done. People are happy with us. We are recognized by the work we do through quality compensation. I make X amount of dollars. 
We feel competent. We feel in control. And it makes us feel good until we go home. And no longer are we getting hit uh, getting a hit and, and feeling good about how much money we make or what our peers say about us. No, when we come home, we're faced with chaos. And in the face of that chaos, all we want to do is flee. We want to flee the chaos of kids. We want to flee the chaos of house chores. We want to flee by turning on a video game, watching a television show, or by heading back to work. Why? Why do we want to flee from these things? Why do we want to f- flee from the chaos? What is it? The answer is that the work makes us feel good about ourselves. But when we come home to a chaotic home, it makes us feel the opposite. So that which makes us feel good, we'll keep and prop up. But that which makes us feel bad, we push away. We stick our heads in the sand like an ostrich. And what this reveals to us as we look deep inside of us is that we're actually looking to our work to find salvation. Work can become an idol And home becomes a threat to that idol. And so we ignore it. Are you mindful of this reality in your life? Because this is going to be helpful to you as you deal with your work. Let me me give another example. Stay-at-home moms. I want you to look deeper into your life. There's a tendency to see that what you do on a daily basis is the opposite of work. Indeed, our culture will bombard you with cultural messages that scream, a woman should be in the marketplace. A woman should be working, not at home. I, I, I still see, see, see memes on the internet that talk that, that disparage stay-at-home moms for doing what, what God has called them to do. And what happens is there's this uneasy feeling that the work that you do with your children doesn't matter. Look deep. Why is this the case? Why does the culture hold such a significant weight in your life? You know that you have one of the most important jobs in all the world. Don't fall asleep on this opportunity. Open your eyes and see that taking care of kids and working with them and being diligent and focusing on them is a great gift to them. Drown out what the culture says. Be mindful that that not to say that working in the workplace, women, is, is, is wrong. I'm just saying for stay-at-home moms, there's that temptation that what they're doing is, is, is somehow not enough. That's just rubbish. So we must look deeper. I want you all to look deeper and see that so often when we deal with our work, we're dealing with it from a self-centered perspective, that we look to our jobs or the hope of a job as salvation, But when we look deeper, we can actually see that whether we work too much or work too little, that it's going to lead us to a pretty dark place. But left to ourselves, we're sinners. Left to ourselves, there's going to be poverty, whether it be in the home or in the office. So our eyes don't need to just look deeper, they need to look higher. If we want to be mindful of our work, our eyes must go higher When we work, we must work in light of who God is and what he has called us to do in this world. Perhaps one of the greatest troubles that I see interacting with in a pastoral way is what do I do with my work? How do I make sense of my work in its relationship to the kingdom of God? They're looking higher, but they're not making the connections. 
So here's, here's, here's the things that I want you to see. That God has placed dignity in every job. If a job meets a need, the job is doing the work of the kingdom. You have to know that. That comes from on high, the Lord. And now, not all the time we do this well. And so we need to keep looking higher. Because sometimes we do fail at putting pers- our job in perspective. And we need to keep looking higher. And we need to see that, indeed, God has provided us a way for us to not find identity in the work that we do, but find an identity in Him. God has provided us a Savior. A Savior who can transform the way we view our work. Rather than looking to our work for salvation, we see work in light of our salvation, of who God is and what He has done for us. When we see that God has taken upon Himself our sin in the ways that we haven't been diligent, in the ways that we've been lazy, the ways that we've run from the difficult circumstances of our lives, the ways that we've run to work for meaning, when we see that He takes it upon Himself, oh, and then grants to us His grace... It turns our work from a place of, I need this job to be better, like to, to be seen as something significant and, and, and magnificent, to being, I just am doing the work of the Lord, and I'm serving him faithfully day after day, and whether my name comes up in the newspaper or online or not, it doesn't matter, because I work in light of the salvation that Christ has given to me. So friends, look higher. Look higher. The Lord has redeemed our work in so many ways we don't have to be identified by it of course we're not going to get to look higher unless we look deeper and this is what makes for mindful work work knowing why you run work knowing what he's done for you the bible calls us to work wisely and when we work wisely we will reap fruit we will accumulate wealth enough wealth to provide for our families, enough wealth to meet our needs. And the way that we do this is we do this virtuously, we do this diligently, and we do this mindfully. May God grant to us this reality, trusting in him, walking in him all the days of our life, of our work life too. Let me pray. Gracious Lord, we give thanks to you for the words that you provided, how we might work and work wisely Lord. the reality of most of us in here is that we don't always work wisely we run from the difficulties whether it be in the home or in the office we don't work diligently and we don't always work virtuously but lord grant to us um, your your favor and your kindness that we might indeed do these things and that we'd be able to provide not only for our families but for those around us. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Will you all please stand? My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh, skill or name 
can win or lose or pride or shame. But in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. And I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. And I will trust in him no other. My soul is satisfied in alone. As summer flowers we fade and die, fame, youth, and beauty hurry by. But life eternal calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light. But I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. And I rejoice in my Redeemer, precious treasure, wellspring of my soul. And I will trust in Him no other, my soul is satisfied in Him alone. To wonders here that I confess my worth and my unworthiness my value fixed my ransom paid at the cross and I rejoice in my redeemer greatest treasure wellspring of my soul and I will trust in him no other. My soul is satisfied in him alone. And I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. And I will trust in him no other. My soul is satisfied in him alone. To all of you who have repented and believed in Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to now invite you to come and participate in the sacred meal that Jesus himself instituted. This meal is not for perfect people, nor is it a meal for those who think that Christ's work gives them liberty to live however they want. It is simply a table for sinners who've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, do not allow the weakness of your faith or the failures of your Christian life keep you from coming forward and partaking in this meal. For this meal was given to us because of our weakness and because of our failures. It is given to us that it might increase our faith by feeding on the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. 
So to those of you who have confessed your sins and affirmed your faith in Christ, take comfort in the promise of Jesus when he says,